We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Rate us and review us, please, on Apple and Spotify. Uh, I appreciate all of your reviews and ratings recently, and I will um, read some of those uh, reviews a little bit later on uh, in the podcast. If you missed the show yesterday, I got it out late. I scrapped the show that I had originally done when all of the Russell Wilson news uh, broke, uh, and we did a shorter podcast, uh, but... Um, I recapped everything uh, that I knew and that I thought uh, about Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Um, and uh, that podcast, of course, is still available. But you're going to get a lot more of that today. And you're going to get it here at the top of the uh, podcast with my good friend Ben Standing from The Athletic, who's done a great job of uh, writing on uh, about this on The Athletic. Um, follow him on Twitter at Ben Standing. He's got a podcast, as we've mentioned before called standing room only before we get to this i'm just curious because i haven't asked you this um did you watch winning time episode one on hbo sunday or recently i i did and what did you think so obviously i knew what the subject was but i had no idea um how it was well, what what the show was exactly or how it was gonna be filmed and immediately <laughs> i was like well what, what is going on here is the you know the the, the character's talking to camera. I liked how you know, it felt like it was, you know, back in the day with the, with the way it was shot, but it was very sort of odd and curious. Uh, it was fun. It was a hoot to see, you know, the, the, to hang out with Norm, Norm Nixon and, uh, and, and uh, Jerry Buss and some of these people. Uh, but it was sort of a, I don't know, I thought it was a little bit of an odd episode. I'm going to have to get used to it, I think, but it was interesting. I loved it. I recommended it yesterday at the, at the end of the podcast. Um, several of you tweeted me um, about Jack Kent Cook. I mentioned that Jack Kent yeah. Cook, played by Michael O'Keefe, um, would appear to be one of the worst people that has ever graced uh, God's green earth. Um, and it's very, it's very much kind of this combination. And I was trying to describe it yesterday, and I don't know if I did it accurately. It's like part mockumentary, it's part dark comedy, it's part documentary. Um, but John C. Riley so far is 
excellent playing Jerry Buss. And the only disappointment was this wasn't on Netflix, and so I couldn't binge it because I think I would have absolutely just stayed up, and I don't care how much sleep I would have gotten, I would have binged the whole thing. I can't wait for the next episode. I was not expecting to feel that way about it, but I really liked it. Okay, um, enough of that. There's the recommendation. It sounds like you would recommend it as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, look, especially if you, you know, paid attention to that era of Lakers. I mean, it was just so interesting. I mean, the Jerry West stuff was hilarious. I actually didn't realize that he was somewhat opposed or very opposed to taking Magic Johnson. And I did some, like, you know, Googling afterwards, and that was an actual thing. I, I, I you know, just assumed that, the, the, that he was all in. But, um, but yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I, the Jerry West stuff was definitely a surprise to me, too. Um, and I think some of the good stuff coming, you know, for those that remember this era, and I do, is Jerry, you know, is Paul Westhead ended up coaching, you know, Magic's first team, the rookie year team, the, the, the team that won the title with Magic having one of the great all time performances in an NBA Finals game, game six at the Spectrum, with Kareem Abdul Jabbar out of the game and Magic playing center and scoring 42 points um, but magic didn't like Westhead so they moved on from Westhead to Pat Riley so all of that stuff is coming as well you know uh, for those of you that were you know uh, reached out to me to say that you really enjoyed it too and I don't think I had one person that reached out to me on Twitter to say that they didn't agree that um, it was surprisingly very good and entertaining um, Jack Ken Cook, yes, after selling the Lakers in 79 to Jerry Buss, then took over and bought out Edward Bennett Williams and became the majority shareholder of the Washington Redskins. And look, I mean, Jack Ken Cook may not have been the greatest guy ever, but he was an outstanding owner because he hired great people and let them do their job and he stayed out of the way for the most part. Anyway, um, all right, let's get to... Uh, yesterday. So just for the purposes of kind of updating those that didn't listen to yesterday's podcast and for Ben's purposes, I'll net out my overall kind of thoughts on yesterday. Number one, um, Russell Wilson not playing in Washington should not be devastatingly disappointing as Walker tweeted me early this morning. The chances were never that high that Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers were going to play quarterback for Washington. The Rodgers thing was not really even in play ever. The Wilson thing may have been associated with better odds of being traded here, but the odds were still in major long shot territory. So if you are devastatingly disappointed, you know, based on Rodgers staying in Green Bay and Wilson being traded to Denver, then you haven't been listening to most of us, Ben included. You know, the two of us on my radio show for the last two months have every Friday guest on the quarterbacks that were going to be uh, on the 2022 roster. The new quarterbacks for me and Ben have been Trubisky and Willis basically for about two months. You know, I think I mixed in Mariota along the way, but nobody, actually Brendan did. Brendan guessed Russell Wilson at some point. Um, but uh, nobody really that's been following this really thought Russell Wilson was going to end up in Washington or Aaron Rodgers was. We'll get to Watson later on. Um, number two, I was ready 
to really pounce on them yesterday when I saw the offer and I thought it's a really good offer, but uh, it's an offer that could have been topped if you were really being aggressive, if this was really the priority, as we've been told, as we've been sold, and I was ready to pounce on them as posers, but um, after multiple conversations and having multiple sources, Washington offered three first-rounders plus another pick or two later in the draft and were willing to part with players. They were aggressive in their offer to Seattle. Seattle told them, point blank, we prefer to trade Russell Wilson to an AFC team. We are um, negotiating with an AFC team. And the offer never got beyond the picks, so players were not mentioned. Although there is a report from this Jordan Schultz guy that Washington was hesitant to part with Chase Young. I did not hear that. I'm not disputing that report. I heard that it never, I was told that it never got to the point where players were discussed. But I was told that Washington was willing to discuss players in addition to the picks. Thirdly, to those that say Russell Wilson is in Denver because he wanted Denver over Washington, I agree with you. Both things, I think, are true. Seattle preferred to trade him to an AFC team, and Russell Wilson preferred Denver over any of the NFC teams, including Washington. And I believe that Philadelphia was another team that was probably making overtures and was very interested in acquiring Russell Wilson as well. You know, both things can be true, and I think they both were true. Why would Russell Wilson prefer Denver? Well, Ben, I think it's because Denver's got a better roster. Denver's got an offensive head coach. Denver is closer to the West Coast, where maybe his wife wants to remain. Um, So there, that sums it up for me. Ben Standig is with me. So... Give me your overall take on all of the events of yesterday. Yeah, I mean, so just to put a bow on on the reporting, I mean, since I heard the same things as you, I I hadn't heard the other picks, but obviously that just when you're discussing a deal like this, the headline, you know, you don't really include a fourth round pick in 2023 is a that's a side note, but obviously if Denver gave up what they gave up, logically they give up some extra picks, or those things could not possibly be deal breakers and like what you said on the players it just you know it hadn't gotten to the point to specifically say who it could be um one, one thing i'll just note i don't necessarily like you i heard nothing about the chase young or any player the that that tweet what what if he said that they were very cautious about including chase young um yeah um where is it i had it up here a while ago um yeah the schultz guy said um oh shit Oh, here it is. Uh, I don't believe any rep- – oh, no, 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 that's not it. Um, sorry. Here it is. Jordan, Sh- Jordan Schultz said, the commander submitted several substantial offers to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson. I'm told Washington was very hesitant to include Chase Young in any package. Um, so I did not hear that. I heard it never got to a discussion about players. I was told that Washington was willing to discuss players as part of the overall uh, offer, um, but I didn't hear anything about Chase Young, uh, them being hesitant on sure. Chase Young. So I'm very hesitant to discuss this guy who I don't really know, but it's, I don't, I don't, uh, he would not be somebody I would like definitively trust, I'll just say. 
Um, that said, just, just for fun, if, if in fact what he's saying is accurate that they were very hesitant, people, what that actually means is they were willing to trade him. Because you can't be very hesitant. If, if you aren't willing to trade him, he's not, uh, he's not available. Very hesitant means you're considering it. So just for whatever it's worth, if the fact that war actual is an actual thing, which I'm not saying that it is, I didn't hear that. Right. Then, but as I reported a couple of weeks ago, well, not reported. Let me rephrase that. As I wrote a couple of weeks ago, logically everybody on the roster is going to have to be available if you're actually trying to get a quarterback at that level. Um. Anyway. Uh. So yeah, I, I'm. I mean, I'm with you on the on the general idea that it seems like Seattle wanted to move him out of the conference. I was told by an executive on another team that was in the mix for Wilson that they had the same impression that Seattle wanted to move him out of conference. So this isn't just potential spin from you know people connected or around Washington. This is what other teams are saying as well. I think that's an important note. Um, to that end, on some level, it all still did come down to what did Russell Wilson want to do because he had a no-trade clause. And what I think would be curious to know is, did he say ultimately, hey, I want to go to Denver. They have a setup that kind of looks like maybe what Tom Brady went to a little bit in Tampa Bay, some good playmakers and a, and a good defense and put me in there and let's go. Or did he say, okay, Russell, here are your options. Let's, let's talk specifically Washington. And he says, no chance. I'm not going. I, I don't know that that's the case. That's what be, that would be the interesting part. But based on what I've heard, and it sounds like what you and others as well, the combination of the team and the player wanted him to Denver more or less. So, um, so to that end, you know, I don't know how much we can really, uh, you know, crap on Rivera and Washington for not getting him. And to your larger point, yeah, there's, I, I, I don't know why anybody would be disappointed. Sure. It would be fun as somebody who has to cover this team. I promise you, I would much rather cover Russell Wilson than the other quarterbacks that we're all sort of talking about here it would be a fun for all kinds of levels. But, you know, that, that just was never seemingly realistic. Rodgers, the same. Same with a lot of these guys. Um, but, you know, so I don't know what to tell you. If you were living in that level of delusion, it is what it is. I mean, back in January during the playoffs is when I started to write, hey, you guys are making fun of Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm telling you right now, Washington would be lucky to have a shot at him based on the reality. And, by the way, Mitch Trubisky will have options. Is something I wrote in January to much derision. And now all we're seeing is, I mean, at the Combine last week, I'm telling you I had far more conversations about Mitch Trubisky with people than I did any of the rookies in, in the draft. And now we're seeing that other teams are in play for Trubisky. So, yeah, this quarterback thing, it's, it's going to remain quite curious. And yet yesterday was a, a bummer just from the standpoint of, okay, well, you know, somebody else is getting the fun quarterback, not, not Washington. But it's not disappointing pointing or shocking in any way shape or form yeah when we get to a report um about trubisky here in a moment um i want to just address one thing as it relates to wilson there was some sound which i played on my radio show this morning from jay keeps jay is uh russell wilson's personal trainer and he was on a radio show in denver and he said he had talked to Russell Wilson earlier in the day, knew nothing about the trade that was about to happen, um, but then believes that Russell Wilson said no to Washington and Philadelphia um, and said he wouldn't accept a trade there. Uh, so 
Pro Bowl weekend, I reported that Russell Wilson told people that he would not be opposed to coming to Washington, and I stand by that. Um, in fact, I followed up with people that I had that from yesterday, and they said, no, no, he was not only um, not opposed to it, he was doing kind of due diligence stuff at the Pro Bowl because he knew Washington would be one of the teams coming after him. Now, what does due diligence mean at the Pro Bowl? Uh, well, I mean, pick, picture him and John Allen together with spouses, I'm sure John Allen was probably peppered with questions about Washington and the situation. Um, so I, but, but again, it doesn't mean that there weren't three or four other teams that he would have preferred to, to Washington. So if Denver was in the mix, it's very possible he told Seattle, hey, I don't want these other teams. I want Denver which, by the way, aligns with what Denver wanted. So it's kind of in many ways irrelevant because Denver, I don't think, was going to entertain an actual trade from Washington or Philadelphia or anybody else in the NFC unless it was like an outrageous offer. And Washington may have been on the verge of making one. And I think that's an important point to hammer home because for all the people that say or thought, like I did initially yesterday, well... Guess they weren't trying hard enough. I think they did. I think it's hard to be critical of the team um, for, you know, in this particular case, getting outbid or not being aggressive enough. Or, as I mentioned, kind of being posers here over the last month and a half about how important and how big they were going to swing. Because I think they did swing big. You know, the three first-rounders in the additional pick or two, um, it was made very clear to me that it wasn't just three first-rounders in terms of the pick package because the pick package, they said, was superior to Denver's pick package, to which I said, by the way, uh, 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 Ben, well, three firsts basically by itself could almost equate to two ones, two twos, and a fifth. Like, if you were putting both of those side by side, would you say that the three firsts were obviously better than the two ones, two twos, and a fifth? They would almost be equal. Maybe the three firsts you'd say, ah, a little bit better. But I was told that the pick package was much better, and somebody then confirmed to me, no, no, it was, it was more than three ones. There, were, um, there was another later round pick and, and perhaps two later round picks. I'm guessing something like a third and a fifth or a fourth and a sixth something like that. And who knows, maybe they would have gotten a fourth rounder back like Denver did because Russell Wilson also came back with a fourth rounder. Um, I love how sometimes you get a pick back and it seems so insignificant that it doesn't even get mentioned, but they did get a fourth rounder back for it. But um, there are a couple of things, you know, about Washington that we've all discussed that make it unappealing for almost any player with choices. It's what we've always talked about. Like, agents understand this. Players may look at coaches and talent and roster and opportunity and money more than they look at owner, but everybody's been paying attention to all of this. I mean, over the last two weeks, we've had Washington launching into their own investigation and then being emasculated by the league saying, no, no, we're going to do our own investigation of the Tiffany Johnston complaints. You know, we've, we've had uh, the crest issue. Like, they keep sort of self-imploding. By the way, I wanted to mention this real quickly. 
There's like some new Sean Taylor thing, you know, uh, push again by the organization. I kind of predicted that. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so what's next? Let's focus on Deshaun Watson. But before I do that and get your answer on that, I did want to read this. This from Charles Robinson, longtime reporter at Yahoo. Um, Charles Robinson, yesterday. Quick note on a QB not named Wilson or Rogers. Spoke to a team in the thick of it for a competitive backup QB in free agency, and they have a strong belief that Mitchell Trubisky is going to end up with the New York Giants and he'll compete with Daniel Jones for the starting job. Brian Dable's the new head coach of the New York Giants. He was the offensive coordinator in Buffalo. He knows Mitch Trubisky very well. That, you know, I don't think I had considered the Giants. Maybe you had. Um, I don't know. But I just think that... <laughs> Like we've said, we've both been saying for a couple of months now, there's probably going to be some competition for Mitchell Trubisky. He's going to have some choices here. You might have to pay eight figures and guarantee some of it and make it a multi-year deal to get Mitch Trubisky. Um, So let's start with – no, let's not start with him. Let's start with Deshaun Watson because he's the last man standing uh, in the elite franchise quarterback category. I think Washington's interested. Do you agree or disagree? And then what kind of chances would you give Washington? Yeah, I mean, I guess interest is, is, is relative, meaning obviously I think from a football perspective, it's a no-brainer, right? You know, whether you're 25, uh, you know, young, talented, like that, you, that would set you up for the next decade. The issues, of course, are the off-the-field stuff, and – you know, it, it looks like there may be some more clarity on his, some of his legal issues this weekend um, with, with some, I think, the grand jury and things like that. And my sense has been that, you know, his, you know, people around him are just kind of waiting to sort of see how this plays out before really sort of diving in to what um, their options are. Uh, obviously, you know, one went off the board yesterday in Denver. I guess you could say a different one opened <laughs> up in Seattle, depending on what the, what they're looking to do. It feels like Seattle's doing a full rebuild, though. Um, so, I mean, to an extent, sure. I mean, they they're going to be interested and all that. But again, like he has a no trade clause, just like Russell Wilson. I I don't know why he would come here. The only advantage now, I would think, for Washington or really any NFC team, is the, the conference has gotten suddenly weaker. Right, Tom Brady retiring, Russell Wilson going to the AFC. Now, you know, what do you got? Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, and, you know, I mean, Matt Ryan went to a Super Bowl a while ago. And, Kirk Cousins. You, know, you can say whatever you want about Dak Prescott. Like, it's not – the AFC is far more stacked than quarterback. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Deshaun Watson coming to this conference from a football perspective, you know, could be in a pretty good position. And also, he's the young one. Rodgers is, is old. Stafford is, you know, up there. So, you know, he could be the lead guy for a while. So the NFC, I think, could be appealing. But, you know, is Washington, you know, this goes back to what we were saying before, you know, for all the reasons, including the quarter, the owner stuff. I mean, you know, we don't, when we deal with the players on a daily basis out there during the season, we're not peppering them with constant questions about the owner or, or all the off the field stuff. But obviously, once in a while, it comes up. But, even if we don't ask about it, it's in the news. They hear it. They're getting asked about it by their family. And I know I was told that some players were, you know, getting frustrated and annoyed throughout the season by just the constant, 
you know, negative vibes surrounding them. So, you know, uh, all these people talk, you know, for what it's worth, maybe not be worth anything, uh, Deshaun Watson's agent is the agent who repped Dwayne Haskins. Now, I, the Dwayne Haskins era, I will put, put more of the onus of how that went bad on Dwayne Haskins, but, you know, for whatever, I'm just saying he's had insight into this place with a quarterback, and, you know, depending on what he thinks, you know, that could be some variable um, into this as well. So, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much stock into him showing up here. The only question would be, do other teams eliminate him because of the off-the-field stuff, and therefore the list of potential contenders shrinks to the point where Washington is one of the you know, few teams. But I, I would still imagine he's going to have better options that he's going to options he's going to find more desirable. Yeah, I think one of those options actually is Seattle. Um, I think Seattle, you know, uh, again, like we were talking about many times previ- uh, prior to yesterday, why are they bringing Pete Carroll and the staff back if they're going to do a rebuild? Uh, and that's why I leaned heavily in the direction of Russell Wilson not being traded, even though, you know, there's been a lot of smoke around it um, for the last year and a half. Uh, but um, I still felt like once they brought Pete Carroll back, even if Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson don't get along anymore, and I think there's been a lot of discussion about the strained relationship between the two, um, I just thought if he's back, you know, they're, they're still with Russell Wilson. I'd be pissed off if I were a Seattle fan. That package wouldn't excite me. Getting re- I don't have a quarterback now. But what would excite me is if Deshaun Watson is ready – um, to be traded, and he's going to be eligible, and he's cleared of all this stuff. Which you know, there's a big grand jury on Friday, and you know, eight people are going to be subpoenaed, and the grand jury will probably decide that day or within a few days afterwards as to whether or not they're going to be criminal charges against him. You can't trade until you find out about the criminal charges, but you know, I think Seattle could be a player for Deshaun Watson. By the way, there was this interesting note from Sean Michael Dugar. You know him; he writes for the Athletic. I've had him on the radio show and the podcast. He covers the Seahawks. I, I don't remember this being a thing. Maybe you do. He wrote about Seattle's future at quarterback that um, John Schneider uh, wanted to trade Wilson and select Josh Allen back in 2018. I don't remember any discussion of Wilson getting traded in 2018. I thought that that was a last year started thing, but that's what he wrote. He he wrote that that Schneider wanted to trade Wilson in 2018 and draft Josh Allen. Interesting. Do you remember that? I don't. Um, I don't. Uh, I mean, Michael Mike is uh, is is uh, is good at what he does, and and uh, you know he he and I talked during this whole. Off season about Wilson, so we I hadn't we didn't talk about that. So, but yeah, if he has that. I'm I'm sure um, that's from a pretty good uh, pretty good source if he's putting that out there, or maybe it was a discussion in public before uh, that, that somehow missed um, missed the two of us. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, Russell Wilson's always been sort of an interesting guy, right? So you know, uh, yeah, I, he, he to me he's such, he's such an interesting quarterback. I've always said historically that Donovan McNabb. Was the best worst quarterback I ever saw. Like, I, like there were times like this guy is just terrible, and yet they won twelve games every year. Um, 
you know, like, I mean, throwing balls in the dirt, but he's making, somehow he's making plays and he wins. I wouldn't put Russell Wilson in that category. He's absolutely frightening in the last two minutes of a game, down three when he's got the ball. But at the same point, like, uh, you know, some aspects, of, you know, the opposite the size thing or whatever, I could see where maybe you're like, well, do we need to go with a more prototype guy? But whatever. So um, trading Russell Wilson, you know, even up until yesterday morning, Seemed like an absolute long shot. Uh, your, your point about them being the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes is certainly interesting, and I'm with you. That was my whole point. Why I just kept doubting Seattle would trade him is because Pete Carroll is 70 years old. Why is he going to rebuild? Now, but for what it's worth, they did also yesterday release their longtime linebacker, Bobby Wagner, who I would absolutely put on the radar for this place right. um, because of the nature of the, what, you know, who he is, a veteran, the, the Mike linebacker, Rivera, all that. Um, so it, it feels like a little bit of a rebuild, but on the other hand, look, they were kind of, just like Washington, they were disappointing last year for a variety of reasons, and maybe they just felt like, hey, we need to get younger, and it's, it's more about that than it is saying we're starting over. Well, they were disappointing in part because Russell Wilson got hurt. <laughs> I mean, you know, and they weren't very good without him. And when he came back, he came back too early and wasn't very good right when he came back. And then they kind of surged at the end of the year. You know, you you said something that's so interesting, and it kind of is consistent with, the day and time on that. with a lot of callers this morning, and it's shocking to me. I can't believe how many callers I had this morning that said they're glad Washington didn't get Russell Wilson, that he's kind of overrated, that he wouldn't have really been the guy to elevate the team that much, that it would have been far too much to give up for him. And I kind of feel like last year that was a pretty much the majority of the fan conversation that giving up, you know, multiple firsts for Deshaun Watson or Wilson or Rodgers was crazy and certainly giving up anything more than like a second rounder for Matt Stafford was nuts. But I kind of thought most of the people kind of had evolved from that position over the last year and understood the importance of this. Look at what Denver gave up. Look at what Aaron Rodgers is going to get paid at 39 years old. You know, even though he hasn't won a Super Bowl since 2010 and has fallen short in the postseason. And you, it sounded to me like you said, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to agree with some of it here in a moment, but that Russell Wilson may not have been the answer here. Well, uh, no, I mean, I guess I would just say if you're holding Russell Wilson in Seattle and you're constantly looking at he's not the biggest guy, we have to sort of tailor things specifically to make it work for him, and that sometimes like his his like his like highs are very high, but the other part, sometimes he can look kind of mediocre. And if you're comparing him to a, you know, a Josh Allen statuesque type quarterback, I could get where a GM would fall in love with that. Um, I, no, I, I would – so there's multiple ways to look at this. In a vacuum, if you just said you're going to give up all these draft picks for any one player, you might think, well, I don't know, like that's a lot, even if the quarterback's the most important position. But that's not what it is just here. This place needs a, a, a recharge. The, 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 fans, the fans are absolutely apathetic. We know about all the negative headlines. Russell Wilson shows up. I don't care if they never make the playoffs. Season tickets are going way up. Yeah. The, 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 the vibe around town is going way up. Every, and, and the players in the locker room are going to be very excited because Russell Wilson's a Super Bowl champion. They haven't, you know, when's the last time they've had a viable quarterback? 
around here. When I talked to RG3 the other day in, in Indianapolis at the Combine, I like said to him, is it wild to you, basically, that it's 10 years since you got drafted and, and your rookie year is so great and they've been in the desert since? basically looking for one like this and that's just 10 years that's not the 30 years that you and i are more familiar with so trading for russell wilson giving up all that stuff is absolutely a, a totally fine thing to do you have you know you have no shot at the super bowl basically in this era if you don't have a guy that's a top half of the league quarterback and he is a guy that's shown in the right circumstances can make all the plays to win you the title so i'm not no, no I'm, I'm i'm i had no real issue with that i'm just saying that you know, because of his size, and you know, he's also an interesting personality, that I could get why Seattle might be like, eh, okay, what else do we have going on here? But no, I would have no problem with that. And by the way, just to be, just to say something here, I'm not trying to sound like Les Need, who just the GM of the Rams, who traded away all their their picks to uh, to, to get guys like Odell Beckham and Matt Stafford. Here's the reality, right, Kevin? Like we're both NBA guys. If, if an NBA team acted like the Rams, they would probably be screwed, right? Because right. if your star players that you just acquired don't pan out, you have nothing to fall back on. You're going to turn into the Brooklyn Nets when they traded all those picks for Pierce and Garnett, and you have because because it's only the first round. The second round are guys who need a passport to go play in Europe for the most part. Um, so, but in the NFL, that's not true at all. If you if, if you had an NFL team that just never had a first or second round pick, and you only had to rely on the third through seventh, you know what that means? That means you get Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin. It means you get Cam Curl. It means you get Chase Ruye and Cole Holcomb. Like, you get starters. So the, so you can trade away those first round picks. You're not mortgaging your future. You're, mortgaging, you're giving away the better odds of finding a, 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 good, a good player because it's obviously there's, there's just more players to pick from. But you're not giving away your chance of actually succeeding. That is a big fallacy that the Rams kind of like poked many holes through. So trading away multiple firsts or seconds, I would have had no problem with for a major upgrade at quarterback. Yeah, I totally agree with it. That's well said. Um, I want to make sure, too, on the Russell Wilson conversation, I think, I mean, I, we, we, we talked about this. I forget if you and I talked about it, but I would, I would have taken Rodgers uh, over Wilson, you know, even if you only had him for three years. Um, I would, I, uh, Watson, if, if everything's, you know, okay, Watson's a much better acquisition than Wilson, um, you know, assuming, you know, that he's eligible and cleared and all that stuff. Um, you know, not just because of the age. He's just a better quarterback right now than Russell Wilson. I'm not saying that Deshaun Watson's already had a year that was better than Russell Wilson's year. No, I'm not saying that. But he's already in the conversation of top five to top eight, and he's not even entered his prime. So you're looking at having him for a much longer run. Um, I also, in watching Russell Wilson and being a fan of Russell Wilson over the years, I understand that there are games in which you're like, whoa. I mean, he keeps backing up, and there's the ball into the dirt. But there's been very few quarterbacks that, with the game on the line, have delivered like Russell Wilson. Um, and I, I, you know, they've won all of those games because they had a good team, but it was primarily because they had Russell Wilson playing quarterback. The, the Denver Broncos went from being, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of like plus fifteen hundred to win the Super Bowl to like plus 750 this morning. I'm looking at my bookie right now. They're the fifth pick now to win the Super Bowl next year behind the Bills, Chiefs, Packers, and Rams. 
All right, so Washington wouldn't have been the fifth pick with Wilson to win the Super Bowl, but they would have been in the top eight or nine, which would have been a position they have not been in since the year 2000. Uh, when they were, that was the last time they were legitimately, legitimately in the conversation of Super Bowl um, uh, contention. Uh, if they had gotten Rodgers, Wa- Washington would have been in the top five in terms of odds. So Wilson's a massive difference maker. Now, you know, there's always the possibility at 35 years old or 34 years old in the upcoming year that his best days are behind him. But Denver's roster has been begging for a quarterback because they have been a quarterback away from being a pretty good team. Denver was 7-6, and six essentially, lost their last four games. They were competitive games, including the finale against the Chiefs, where the Chiefs needed a, f- a 75-yard fumble return to win the game. Um, and Denver, if you recall, traded away their best player at the trade deadline, Von Miller, to the Rams. But they were in contention without a quarterback last year. With one, they got rid of Noah Fant. That's a big, you know, that's a big time player, but they've got phenomenal weapons offensively. And when you, you know, when you're talking about Chubb and Sertan and Simmons and perhaps Von Miller, who looks like he wants to go back to Denver here in the offseason, uh, Denver's going to have a really good chance next year, despite the division they're in, where you could argue that Wilson's the third best quarterback in the division behind Mahomes and Herbert. He's certainly not the best quarterback in the division. Um, but he's still very much a franchise quarterback, an elite quarterback, who started to play better when he got healthier at the end of last year. Let's not forget that he was not healthy and yet somehow almost pulled off a miracle on a 98-yard drive or whatever it was at the end of that game on Monday night against Washington when Washington didn't have a kicker to kick a 20-yard field goal. <laughs> I still, I still don't understand... Why they didn't have a kicker? Uh, that why Tressway couldn't have gone out there and just punched one through from twenty yards out to give them an eleven point lead. Um, but the coach said they didn't have a kicker uh, that night. So um, Watson, by the way, is going to have he's got a no trade clause, and if people are looking at him. Um, There are teams like Philadelphia and Seattle just in the conference alone that are just going to have better situations and more dry powder to go after them. Uh, I do believe that Washington does not fear the PR ramifications of a Deshaun Watson, that they believe, like I've mentioned many times before, it can't get any worse. You know, we've got to win. And so I think if Watson's legitimately available and going to be eligible, I do think Washington will swing big on that one as well. What did you make of Charles Robinson's Mitch Trubisky thing about him going to New York? Yeah, and I would just echo, I don't think the PR aspect of Watson would be the, 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 the negative uh, here, the way people are perceiving that they should think that way. Um, uh, the Charles Robinson thing, well, like I said, I mean, I've been saying for weeks now, almost two months, that he's going to have multiple options. It was just simple math, lay out the landscape of the quarterback, understand how uninspiring this incoming class is, at least from the context of the 2022 season. And then when you see the free agents, you know, if we had to win a game tomorrow, you know, you probably would rather go with, say, Teddy Bridgewater than Mitch Trubisky. But Teddy Bridgewater is sort of like a Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know what he is. There's no real upside there. Trubisky, I, I, I think there is. And I think a lot of people around the league – 
think that. That's what I heard when I wrote that story. That's what I heard all at the Combine. Obviously, a lot of people also are like, hey, slow the roll here. <laughs> like, like, this guy isn't uh, proven to be that much, but he's got the athletic traits you're looking for to maybe talk yourself into him being your version of Ryan Tannehill, the reclamation project who becomes a viable starter. He's got the athleticism. Um, you know, he had a 29-21 to 21 record as a starter in Chicago. They made the playoffs twice. You know, like for all the negatives, you know, Alex Smith is the only quarterback here in several years who's had a winning record in games he started. So, you know, we shouldn't discount that. And, like, you know, I've, I've heard good things about him as a, as a guy, teammate, things like that. So he's going to have options. Now, specifically to the Giants, uh, well, I mean, look, the, the, he was in Buffalo the last year. Giants just hired a new head coach and a new GM from Buffalo. So if there's anything to this, that says a lot about what those guys think because they were the ones who got a long look at him throughout the whole year. Uh, you know, We did have the Giants ownership recently come out and say they're going to back Daniel Jones, but I don't quite know how that works with Trubisky. And if you're Trubisky, let's just say the money was equal between Washington and New York. Boy, you really would want to have to stay with Brian Dayball uh, to, to just want to not come here and have basically a straight shot to start. Whereas there, I mean, unless they're telling him you're going to be the starter and it's not a real competition, I would think Daniel Jones would have, like, I mean, I would have a, a decent chance. Of, I think you and I might be the only two people who, if Daniel Jones suddenly became available, <laughs> would say, sure. I'll take him here. I'll, I'll roll the dice. I still think there's some there's something there. Um, so it's interesting. But, again, to me, it's a, at a minimum, it's more to the point of he should have options. Um, uh, he, he's been talked up so much, I don't even know what to make of it anymore. Somebody at the Combine, um, an executive, said to me, why does everybody think Mitch Trubisky has suddenly improved so much? He didn't play last year. That may be, but he also was with the coaching staff that you know helped turn Josh Allen into a question from a question mark to an MVP candidate. So, you know, people can improve. He does have good athletic traits. He's been the guy that I've been. Like, I went back and read my story from last year about their offensive plan before Fitzpatrick, and I said they, they this team needs to go out and find the broken quarterback they think they can need to fix who has the most potential. Right. And the two names I said were Mitch Trubisky and Marcus Mariota. So, um, you know. It's hilarious if, if everybody passed on him last year, and now he gets a $10 million a year contract, but that's the landscape this year. Um, Ben's going to stick around for a few more minutes because we're going to take our guesses, our updated guesses after yesterday on the quarterbacks on the roster. I'm going to give you the worst case uh, for Washington over the next few weeks. Uh, and I do want to circle back to the Bobby Wagner and, by the way, A.J. Klein, a player that Ron Rivera drafted in Carolina, also uh, became available, linebacker. Um, we'll get to the, those things next right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. My bookie right now has a great offer. If you sign up using my promo code, KevinDC, you're going to be entered into the My Bracket contest for the tournament coming up. You predict winners in each round of the My Bookie Bracket contest for a chance to win a Bitcoin, a Doodle NFT currently valued at over $50,000, and over 100000 more in cash prizes. Whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props, MyBookie has you covered. Use my promo code KevinDC to make your first deposit. You get a free entry into the My Bracket contest. Selections for the bracket will officially begin on March 13th and close March 17th at noon. So make sure you get your deposit in now with MyBookie at MyBookie.com, MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC to secure that free entry bet anything anytime anywhere with my bookie so let me give you the worst case like I was thinking about this yesterday Philly gets Deshaun Watson in a trade uh Seattle signs Marcus Mariota and the Giants sign Trubisky who's left see I think that what I just described is actually a possibility um, like Mariota would actually be a decent fit for Seattle if they don't end up trading for Deshaun Watson. You know, bringing in Mariota to you know to 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 go with Locke and let them you know fight it out for the uh, for the job next year if they don't go big on Watson. I think Philadelphia well, they have the ninth pick now. They have the ninth pick, and they could take Willis or Pickett, which you would expect them to do. Although I did see Todd McShay's updated mock draft, and he had Seattle not taking a quarterback, and had the first quarterback off the board, Washington, taking Pickett at number eleven. So to me, like the the true, you know, worst case, Watson ends up in the division with Philly. Trubisky ends up with the Giants. No matter what you think about Trubisky, it would mean that he picked the Giants over Washington. 
picked his former coach, too, and his former general manager, or more, more recently his former coach and general manager. Mariota, who's kind of been number two behind Trubisky, I think, on this you know, plan C, plan D area, signs with Seattle. And now you're left with kind of the Andy Dalton, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Tyrod Taylor, who am Jameis Winston. There was a report from that dude Schultz that Washington's one of the teams interested in Winston, uh, along with a rookie. Look, the bottom line is only rookies can say, uh, only the rookies can't say no. I mean, I guess a rookie could say, no, I'm not playing for Washington. I'm going to take the year off and put my name back in the draft next year. But that's not going to happen. Um, that would be the worst case. Have I left anything out? Uh, no, I think those are things. I mean, beyond like, you know, is it conceivable? Like I was talking on my podcast last night with our, our pal Grant Paulson. He brought up the point. If you're the Raiders now, do you look at a situation where you're, you're in a division with Mahomes, Herbert, and Wilson, does it actually make sense now to give Derek Carr 35 or 40 million? Are you better off maybe actually trading him and sort of retooling? And if so, then maybe he's available. That's just a, a guess, but it's, it sort of makes some logical sense. Um, and who knows? Does Atlanta, Atlanta's got a, the, the Matt Ryan cap hit is nuts, but they're now losing Calvin Ridley for the year. So, you know, does that change their approach? But beyond that, beyond taking those bigger swings are hoping, yes, in terms of the basic landscape, that's what you're at. I mean, Bridgewater, like, none of these guys are going to be easy sells, but that one at least there's some name recognition. He is a pretty decent quarterback. If you had to go win tomorrow, right, he's probably the guy you would pick over all these other names. It's just, like I said before, there's just no upside. You're signing him presumably to, like, a one-year deal, I would hope, and then you're back in the same boat. And even if you draft a quarterback, at 11, again, this is a draft, it feels like, where most analysts are saying no quarterback is actually worth that spot. You're just going to pick someone that high because of the positional importance. So they still may be in the exact same boat they're in before. Here's my, here's my plan, Kevin. All right, you ready? This is what I'm going to write this so nobody steal this. Here's what I'm going to propose that they do. The goal at this point to me is if you can't get a big guy, you got to take as many swings as they can. Uh, at a long-term answer. They took zero last year, signing a 38-year-old Fitzpatrick and then backing him up with effectively Heineke, who has, you know, he was solid, and, and I don't want to get yelled at by Sabah, but, like, you know, basically has no upside. No offense. Uh, <laughs> but, but but this time, so, like, I know we're saying Trubisky's off the board in this case, but just for argument's sake, if you get Trubisky and take a shot in that in that space with him turning into Tannehill, right, you, at 11... Last year, the Bears had the 20th pick, traded up to 11 for Fields. They gave up a future one along with some other stuff to do it. Well, right now, Pittsburgh sits at 20, okay? Now, I don't know if they'd be willing to trade up, but let's just say you can talk them or the Saints, who have 18, to trade up for Pickett if he's sitting there, or Willis. Now you have a future one, and plus their, their first-round pick this year. Take, take whichever one of those other quarterbacks you like, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, I think they like, whatever, now you have Trubisky and this rookie. That's two shots to hope. Plus, now i got another first-round pick next year. This means that if... if hold hold if on for a second. Apart, hold on for a second. You've lost me here. I, I want to just make sure that I'm clear on this. <laughs> you are proposing that they trade back, pick up a first-round pick next year from, say, Pittsburgh, but at 20, still select a quarterback. I just want to make sure... I'm clear on that. Maybe yeah. it's not Pickett. Maybe it's not Willis. Maybe it's Corral or Ritter. 
or how. But I want to make sure that I'm clear that that's what you that this is going to be what you write that your plan is trade back, sign the veteran that has the Tannehill upside like Trubisky, which Bridgewater does not have. Okay, but maybe Trubisky does, and then also draft a quarterback, taking lots of swings, which would include now the opportunity to swing again next year. Correct. Now, okay. now in this scenario, yeah, you have a correct. So I'm taking two swings this year with the Trubisky type and a rookie that I'm picking at, say, the 20th spot with this trade with Pittsburgh. And now, next year, I still I now have an extra first-round pick to dangle. It's either, A, to move up high in the draft to take a Bryce Young, if that's a, if that, that's a thing, or an extra first if, the, if next year's Russell Wilson becomes available. Now, none of this may lead to anything, but this is kind of where they're at. You have to give yourself as many opportunities as possible, and that to me is the most creative thing I can think to do beyond, you know, based on what we know. Like, that's what I would, would do. Look, if they think Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis is the next thing, well, then just stay there and take him at 11. But if we're taking the overall assessment of this draft class from anybody I've talked to and anybody we've all heard from, then none of these guys are particularly exciting. So if they're all sort of in the same pot, just pick one of them later, get that extra first go with the Trubisky type, and now all of a sudden I've got three shots to to, to solve this never-ending problem versus just signing a Bridgewater draft one rookie. I now have one shot, and, you know, that doesn't seem particularly exciting. I, I like that, and it's, you know, it's a new twist and a new idea that I haven't heard anybody else talk about. But if the only quarterback in this draft that has a really high ceiling that excites you is Malik Willis, and I think there's a chance that teams will view Willis as the only guy in the draft with a super high ceiling, even if you know there's a you know big bust potential. Um, I don't know that I would veer away from doing my best to draft the guy with the big upside. Also, by the way, signing, you know, I the, 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 we, we've talked about this before, signing the guy that could become Tannehill which really is Trubisky. I don't think it's Mariota. I personally know it's not Teddy Bridgewater or Andy Dalton. Um, and I, you know, or I mean, Jameis Winston has always interested me. I just doubt that he's the kind of guy they're looking for coming off ACL. Um, and also, you know, he's talked about, you know, a true mobile quarterback. I think, that, you know, Jameis isn't immobile. Um, but here's the problem with next year. You're going to have to to get one of the two quarterbacks that right now everybody thinks are two can't-miss quarterbacks and will go number one, number two in some order, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud in the 2023 draft. And, of course, this is subject to change. It always does. You're going to have to suck next year. Even if you've got multiple picks, no one's going to trade out of those spots next year. You know, anybody that's bad enough to lose 14, 13 or 14 games or 15 games to end up in those two spots doesn't have the, the answer at quarterback, and they're not going to trade no matter how many firsts you offer. So I, I kind of think that this team can't really bottom out that low no matter what they do. You know, even if it's starting Taylor Heineke, you know, for, for 17 games next year, they've already proven they can win seven with him. Um, oh, yeah. No, you're right. Look, Ron Rivera is not the kind of coach who's going to think that type of big picture. He's going to be like most coaches 
and focus on how does he win tomorrow. It's what drove me crazy about Scott Brooks often. He's starting guys that picked on 10-day contracts. He's playing guys over their first-round pick who needed reps, right? I mean, these coaches tend to just, what's the next play? That's why a coach typically should not be a GM because, they, because they're thinking short-term and the GM has got to think long-term. It, I, yeah, I'm with you. None of these options are great. The best path for Washington to get out of this conundrum is to be terrible this year. Now, you can, I'm not saying tank. I'm not saying do a Stephen Roth, what he allegedly is being alleged of, and, and just completely bottoming him out on purpose. But I am saying that for all the people out there who say they can't accept, they can't stomach a bad season, well, guess what? A mediocre season is where they're headed. It looks like anything is possible. But if, if we're talking about these, these scenarios, the best path is they get three wins or in position to draft one of those two guys without trading any picks. They're good. But, like you said, their talent is too good to just completely bottom out because they have some good players. And um, this is why, like, having this extra stuff gives you at least some ammunition to possibly make a move. That's all I'm saying. Like, yeah, nothing is ideal, but this is the best of all worlds. Um, and, And just to go back to the specific quarterbacks in this draft, Willis is the one that everybody talks about has the most upside. But if you look at it in terms of what Rivera has said, what he likes the most out of a quarterback, the guy obviously has to make throws. But he constantly talks about the leadership component of the quarterbacks, how he's said before that that's the most important thing for him. How does that guy leave the locker room? And to me, Desmond Ritter kind of fits that vibe. He was really the heartbeat for that Cincinnati team that, you know, obviously was very, very impressive the last couple of seasons. Um, His teammates, when I was at the Senior Bowl, all to all raves about that. And I could see, if again, in the trade-down scenario, Washington saying, you know what, I don't know what these guys are going to do from a pure pocket passer scenario, but this guy can help us in the locker room, and maybe we have a shot at him being good. So I, I think like you, they could talk themselves into that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, all, this is, all that part is relative to their own individual evaluation. Um, and, you know, who knows? Yeah, on Desmond Ritter, it's funny. Two years ago, I didn't like him at all when people were talking him up. I just thought it was a great defensive team. I still think the Cincinnati team of 2020 was better than the team that made the playoff um, this year, the 2021 team. But I thought he was spectacular this year. I thought the jump that Ritter made from sophomore, junior year to this past year was sensational. Like, he really did look the part, and he really did lead them. Um, I'm trying to pull up right now just I want to see the difference statistically in the years that I thought he was very average where they were really led by their defense. All right, here it is. Um, In 2019, his sophomore year, uh, and they were good, he completed 55.1% of his passes, 18 touchdowns, 9 picks. Uh, His junior year, uh, he completed 66.2% of his passes, threw for only 2,200 or 2,300 yards, 19 touchdowns, six picks. This past year, though, all right, 3,334 yards, by far and away his best passing season, 30 touchdowns, eight picks, um, rushed for six touchdowns as well. Uh, yeah, he made, um, I thought, a massive leap. And yes, he was the heart and soul of that team, although they had some very good defensive players, as they have had for the last couple of years. He was in a program which, by the way, um, had great coaches uh, in it, um, and he doesn't seem to be the guy right now that's you know has a chance of going before 11. 
you know, and maybe in your scenario would be available if they traded back. But yeah, that's interesting. You've you've emphasized him now a couple of times in this conversation. Do you feel like you have information that they do like Ritter? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I feel sometimes like these things can be overstated. The notion of who people like, and you know, uh, you know, it's like it's like it's like saying to me. You know, what's your favorite ice cream today? I might say Rocky Road tomorrow. I might say cookies and cream. Like, you know, I, I, I think that all these quarterbacks in general are sort of lumped together. It's, it's, you know, sort of a, um, you know, individual, even people within that, that building may have, you know, Scott Turner may have a different opinion than Ron Rivera than Marty Herney and so right, on. So right. I, I don't know definitively. I'm just saying from a basic, here's the things that Ron Rivera has said. Which of these quarterbacks makes the most sense? I mean, Kenny Pickett would be the, seems the most logical one, and he is the one that typically is viewed as the best bet, um, you know, the, the, the quarterback that, you know, when I've asked scouts to sort of rank them, it's typically some version of pick it one gap, then take whichever of the next four guys you want from there. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I, I think any of them could potentially be in play. I just think that Ritter's um, uh, – uh, traits make okay. sense for Rivera, yeah. and yes, I, ha- I have heard they're interested, but I can't sit here and say, "Oh, that's definitely the guy well, they want." One of the things that I would uh, suggest to them, um, for those out there that do listen, you know, to the podcast occasionally, probably listen to Ben's as well, I would suggest that they not market the uh, players that they're really interested in in the draft. That one I would keep to themselves. I wouldn't be telegraphing on you know the players that you really like in the draft. Uh, this one, you keep to themselves. You don't worry about trying to excite the fan base over Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett. Whatever your plan is, keep it to yourself and maneuver accordingly. Um, it's a little bit different in a trade market for players that you know are going to be traded and everybody knows you're going to be in on you know a potential quarterback. Um, it's, di- it's different than the draft. I wanted to, You said something earlier in this segment that I wanted to follow up on. You said something about you know now that Derek Carr is the quarterback in his division that's clearly number four, and Vegas's chances now to compete in that division have gotten even more difficult because now Denver is better. Uh, that's, that's interesting. I, I personally would be surprised if Derek Carr got dealt. I would, but then again, um, I don't think Derek Carr is an elite quarterback. I don't think he's anywhere near in the class of like the Wilson-Rogers-Watson conversation um, we've been having. Um, but I do think he's a step above Garoppolo as far as a trade, but I think he's a step to a step and a half below Stafford. That's my own opinion. But I also think you mentioned Matt Ryan. I think that's an interesting one, even though that's not you know a long-term solution, but they would be a much better team with Matt Ryan at quarterback. Um, Minnesota's got to be thinking in the same way you suggested maybe Vegas is thinking. With Aaron Rodgers back, Kirk Cousins would bring in a haul right now for the Vikings. I'm not saying that this would be Washington's move because Kirk Kirk's going to have to commit to signing a contract extension, you know, and restructuring it so that the cap hit isn't that big next year. It's 45 million for Minnesota right now. Um, and by the way, that would be part of the drawback uh, in a trade is some teams would look at that 
next year, and he'd have to agree to, to a big-time contract extension, which would lower the cap number. But, man, with the trade for Wilson, then you look at places like, like you said, Vegas, you know, potentially Atlanta, and Minnesota in particular, where he is a very polarizing figure in that market as well, just like he was here. And the, and the haul back for Cousins will never be higher than it could be right now. I don't think they're going to trade him. I think they're going to keep him. I think Kevin O'Connell took the job in part um, because Cousins was there. Um, but that's another one that could be thrown back into the mix now that Rodgers is back in Green Bay. All right. What's your... well, 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 let me Go ask ahead. you this. Right yeah. now, Russell Wilson's gone. Tom Brady is currently retired. If the 49ers trade Garoppolo, we don't know where he'll land, but from the 49ers' perspective, Trey Lance is effectively a rookie coming in. Who isn't there a world where Minnesota is the third best team in the NFC next year? Well, uh, I mean, obviously Ram, the Cowboys and Cardinals. Rams, yeah, Rams, Packers, um, Rams, Packers, but, Cowboys. Yeah, certainly the fourth best team. There, there is a world in which they're the fourth best team, no doubt. And, right. That's so. That's my only thing with that. I, I, my sense is that Minnesota's keeping Cousins, they obviously have to work out the money, but just having you know been at the Combine and you know, been talking to people, that's my sense there. And like I said, this, this is why if you're, if you're Washington, maybe you do pay up even for a Derek Carr, because if you do get Derek Carr, we can sit here and poke all the holes we want in Washington's roster. There's absolutely a world where they're a, a playoff team at a minimum next year, because simply the, the conference has losing these other quarterbacks does change the landscape. I mean, yeah. uh, sure, we can say Dallas is better, but you know they just lost. They're giving up Amari Cooper. It appears Michael Gallup is coming off an injury, so their offense will take a step back. And who knows? The NFL, you know, no NFC East team right repeats ever. <laughs> so, like, I'm not, again, I'm not saying this is what I think, but you could talk yourself into it if you're watching and saying we get Derek Carr even or Matt Ryan. All of a sudden. Why not us being one of the playoff teams, like, for real? Again, that's different between contending for the Super Bowl, but, yeah, because the NFC, I think, is that wide open, it looks like. Yeah, there's the possibility, though, that Deshaun Watson ends up in the NFC, too, so let's not forget that. That's that's in play um, as well. And could end sure. up- if you put, and if you put Garoppolo on one of these teams, that could change something. If you put Garoppolo in Tampa Bay, maybe they don't have a big drop-off. You know, who knows? Yeah, they're going to have a drop-off with Garoppolo. But uh, Watson to Philadelphia would be, um, again, I think that would be like the worst case for Washington. All right, uh, March 9th, 2022. Your guess on the quarterbacks uh, for Washington when we go to camp in August. Who's on the roster? Yeah, I mean, I think I've had every single time Trubisky, Heineke, and, you know, I, I think one time I said a sec- like Ritter in the second round – but mostly I've gone with some sort of Willis at the at 11. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, is Kenny Pickett actually going to be there? If he is, that would be the pretty no pretty much a no-brainer. I, you know, I just don't know if Carolina at six or, or Seattle now at nine would take him. So, I mean, you know, I don't know. I'll say, I know you're not going to hold me to this, but I'm just saying, I guess I'll just say Pickett that he's still there with Malik Willis being the obvious, the other alternate. So, Trubisky, the Pickett-Willis thing, and... Um, Heineke would be my assumption. I'll say I think this Trubisky report from Charles Robinson has me thinking, wow, 
Dable wants Trubisky. They have not picked up the fifth-year option on Jones. The reporting is they're not going to pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. And Dable's thinking, Trubisky's my guy. And by the way, we don't have a terrible roster either. Uh, We could actually make a big jump in this division next year. Uh, So, And we have two first-round picks at number five and number seven in the upcoming draft. So I'm going to go Mariota. I mean, your your Bridgewater thing is interesting because of the Herney ties. I just don't think Bridgewater is very good. I watched him in Denver last year, and I just saw a guy that, by the way, he's going to get hurt too. He's just, unfortunately, you know, that injury in Minnesota was devastating to a guy that really had a promising career. But he keeps getting banged up since he's been back. I'll go Mariota, Heineke, and Willis. Uh, Bobby Wagner, what are the chances that they're going to go after him? And what are the chances that Wagner would choose here? Because there will be choices for him. Sure. I mean, I, I, you know, I'd be lying if I said I knew the full landscape of teams that need middle linebackers. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, 100%, that's the kind of guy Ron Rivera would want. And I think it makes a ton of sense for, for them. I mean, the, the, the veteran Mike linebacker, is you know the play to me ultimately here, and I do kind of feel like, to be honest, having been at the combine and talked to people, that the Devin Lloyd and the Kobe Dean thing. I think ultimately, you know, before the combine, a lot of the the rankings from the Dane Brewers and Todd McShays and all in the mock drafts are based sort of more on their own personal vibe, what they think of a player. But then the reality sets in that teams just don't want to look to draft an off-ball linebacker that high, so. I think those guys are probably not are probably not really in play at eleven, and therefore, um, you know, you're either drafting a rookie later or signing a vet. And I think they, this defense needs a vet, right? You have all the kids up front. They need a guy to you know <laughs> to, to get on everybody to be an organizer. I think that's as much what Ron is, Rivera is talking about. They, they said last year when David Mayo played, how there was a different presence there, and it's not like David Mayo is Mike Singletary, but he is an older guy who has you know, been in the league, and I think having that presence was missed. So I think Bobby Wagner would make a ton of sense for them. And, you know, uh, I don't necessarily know how, where, he had, where his level of play is. I would have to go check out his tape and things like that. But um, that would make a ton of sense. And, and, you know, he obviously knows Rivera from having been around the league. So um, I think that's an interesting one for sure. Yeah, I, 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 I think they should be interested in Bobby Wagner. He's only 31 years old. I think the problem is, is Wagner is going to have a lot of options. And by the way, some of those options could be in the division. Dallas could be a, a team definitely um, in the Bobby Wagner uh, market. They restructured Prescott and somebody else yesterday uh, to shave off $20 million, uh, of cap hit. I mean, to, to pair him with Micah Parsons and like Leighton Vander Esch, um, look out. Uh, you know, Philly could use a Wagner on their team. I think there's just going to be a, a lot of, uh, you know, I was reading something late last night. Baltimore would be interested in pairing him with Patrick Queen, you know, on the inside. Um, I just think there are going to be better situations for Wagner, unfortunately. He'll have a lot of choices and probably end up choosing somewhere else. I mean, he would be a phenomenal ad for Washington and would make so much sense. Um, I just think ultimately he ends up somewhere else. Um, Oh, one last thing, because I don't think we talked about this uh, even off the air. Why do people think 
And when I say people, I'm just it's kind of it was a vibe I got after Aaron Rodgers um, said he was staying in Green Bay um, on this, you know, whatever the contract extension ends up being. Why did I and maybe you got the same thing get so many people saying, so now are we going to be in the market for Jordan Love? Have we talked about Jordan Love ever before? We haven't. I, I, uh, I, I so playing out the long, you know, like I said, I've never really bought into the idea that they would be getting any of the bigger names for whatever the reason. So the, for me, it's been like, okay, where, what else is the upside play? And a few weeks ago, I started thinking to myself, all right, well, let's, I, if I'm assuming Aaron Rodgers is staying, if I'm Green Bay, I think you've got to move on from Jordan Love or see what at least you can get because now Rodgers is your quarterback for the next two, three years. He's not, you know, He's not going anywhere. But by the way, for what it's worth, the the people who kept telling me that Green Bay was going to force Rodgers out because they drafted Jordan Love was beyond ridiculous. Anybody who said that, and I know a couple people that did, I, beyond insane. So I mean, and obviously it's played out that way for a variety of reasons. Also, Jordan Love didn't look great when he played, which very very the definition of small sample size. Um, it makes total sense for Green Bay to trade him. Maybe they can only get a mid round pick at this point because he hasn't done much. But a team should be intrigued by by taking a shot. Would you rather spend a fourth-round pick on him than the 11th pick on one of these guys? Maybe. But at the same point, I have no reason to think that Washington would be interested. My, my sense was, as of a few weeks ago, that, eh, whatever. But, you know, again, the, things change quickly. And, you know, again, like to your point, if Trubisky uh, signs with the Giants and you're looking for some sort of an upside play, well, where else is there? Jordan Love would be that type of guy, absolutely. But then it comes down to the evaluation. Does Green Bay act, or does anybody actually think he's good based on what what, what people have seen? So I, that's the question. Yeah. All right. Um, thanks for doing this. Uh, Standing room only is Ben's podcast, which you can get anywhere you get a podcast. Subscribe to the Athletic. It's totally worth it. It's cheap. Ben's a great writer. I'm telling you, yesterday. I was reading primarily athletic writers. Uh, there are just so many good writers on The Athletic covering these teams as beat reporters, and then there are columns as well. And a lot of guys like Ben basically do both. They report and they write columns. Um, totally worth it. And follow, of course, Ben on Twitter at Ben Standing. All right, uh, I will talk to you later on. Appreciate it. Yeah, man, thanks. See ya. ESPN's NFL insider Adam Schefter. Adam, how did this deal come about? Linda, they had been working on this deal for quite some time, really from the time that the two teams had gotten home from the combine. They were able to piece this deal together yesterday. Fox broke the news tonight, and the deal involves, as you mentioned, three number one picks and a number two. And the reason it came together yesterday afternoon, late in the day, is that the Cleveland Browns all of a sudden wanted to try to make a deal for that number two pick as well. The Miami Dolphins even inquired about the pick and could not get the deal done because the Rams were able to put together a deal and an agreement with the Washington Redskins that will be processed on Tuesday that will give the Redskins the second overall pick in the draft and give the Rams a bounty of picks by moving back four slots in the draft. They will have an extra second in this year's draft 
and then extra ones in each of the next two drafts after this year. What a fascinating story this is, and very intriguing, and this all involves the Baylor great Robert Griffin III. Is that what this is about, basically? We know Cleveland had an interest, and with the Redskins grabbing this number two pick, does this mean now that their eyes are on taking RG3 number two overall? It means that their eyes are taking whatever quarterback the Indianapolis Colts don't take at number one. And the widespread assumption throughout the league is that Andrew Luck from Stanford will be the number one overall pick, which would leave Robert Griffin III going number two to the Washington Redskins. Now, even if the Colts decide to switch gears and change directions and go RG3 at number one, which nobody is expecting, at that point in time, the Redskins would be in position to take Andrew Luck. So this trade has assured the Washington Redskins that they will come out of the draft next month with one of the two potential franchise quarterbacks that they coveted. The Colts are expected to take Luck. The Redskins are expected to take RG3. And I think then the Rams will be left with a lot of draft choices to replenish their roster. That was 10 years ago today. Uh, Linda Cohn, Adam Schefter on ESPN reporting the news that Washington and the St. Louis Rams had pulled off a blockbuster deal, Washington sending three first-round picks and a second-round pick to St. Louis for the Rams' number two overall selection so that Washington could select one of the top two quarterbacks in that draft, Andrew Luck or Robert Griffin III. We all knew then that it was going to be RG3 because Luck really was the Elway in terms of the evaluation, and the Colts were going to take Luck. I mean, I remember saying that I prefer Luck, but I am okay with Robert Griffin III. In fact, that's where I want to start with this. I remember my reaction. I was thrilled. I remember getting into a debate on the air with Steve Zabin, who called in during the show I was doing with Tommy saying, you're in favor of this? And I said, definitely. He said, it's way too much. Three ones in a second for, you know, Robert Griffin III or Andrew Luck? I mean, you can't spend that much. And I said, you have to spend that much. They're in this malaise, which they were at that point. You know, the Zorn years and then 2010 and 2011 with Shanahan. And already, you know, the apathy was starting to build in the fan base. It really started to build, I think, in 2008, 2009. And then there was a lot of excitement with Mike Shanahan and Vinny Serrato being ousted and, you know, the Donovan McNabb trade, which obviously Washington was fleeced on. But those first two years were rough years. Even though I thought they were a competitive team given their talent, they didn't have any quarterback. You know, it was McNabb, it was Grossman, and it was John Beck. They had to get the quarterback, and that was a draft in which the two quarterbacks at the top of the draft were considered can't misses. Luck more so a can't miss, but RG3 evaluated at a very high level. And yeah, there were some reports about what kind of teammate he was and the narcissism, et cetera. Um, I remember, I forget the name of the dude that had that long scathing report of the lack of leadership, but whatever. Most people thought that Robert Griffin III had been evaluated at kind of a can't-miss level. I remember having this conversation with Mike Shanahan about those days. He was not against the trade at all. He would have been against the trade had he known about the salary cap penalty, the $36 million salary cap penalty that was coming um, you know, a few days later. He would have been against the trade if he had known they were going to have all of that uh, penalty 
and weren't going to be able to add players and were going to have to actually shed some salary um, to get under the cap penalty uh, that they were uh, being hit with by the league that caught them by surprise. Um, And you can thank primarily John Mara for that. But, you know, Shanahan was not against the trade and was not against drafting Robert Griffin III. You know, he had the warnings that we've talked about many times previously um, that he was concerned that Robert Griffin III had never faced adversity and he wondered how he would deal with adversity when faced with it. And he pointed out the example that in a film session with Robert and his father was in the room as well, they brought up his worst game where he threw multiple picks. I forget who the opponent was. I think it was Oklahoma State. And Robert and his father basically fell all over each other, you know, throwing Art Bryles under the bus, saying it was all play calling, that he didn't take any responsibility for it, and that that was, you know, a bit of a concern for him. And he also, you know, warned Bruce and Dan that RG3 was not ready from uh, a, you know, uh, the standpoint of being a traditional drop back passer to play that in the league, and they were going to have to do some stuff offensively to get him onto the field as a rookie, but they were excited about that, and they thought they could take advantage of some things that Kyle was really excited about. Kyle had spent some time with Chris Alt at Nevada, uh, the innovator who uh, developed the pistol formation with Colin Kaepernick as, as his quarterback at Nevada, and Kyle had a vision on how RG3 could be used and how it would really be... Uh, very innovative and pioneering and transformational in the NFL. And they did that. And Robert Griffin III had, as we know, one of the more exciting rookie seasons in the history of the league. Won the rookie of the year. They won seven games straight to end the season, made the playoffs. And if he hadn't been hit by Haloti Nada in, uh, in that late season game in December against the Ravens at FedEx Field, it's very possible Washington was – in position to make a deep playoff run in 2012. I think they would have beaten Seattle. Hell, they were up 14-0 when he tweaked the knee. Uh, and if he had been healthy, I think they would have had a chance to knock off Seattle and maybe go to Atlanta and win that game and then you know, maybe get to an NFC title game against the 49ers that year. I think the 49ers were a better team that year all around. They would have played that game in Candlestick, which they eventually did. Um, or no, they end that, that particular year in 2012. Yeah, 2012 was the year they beat uh, the Packers at home and then lost to the Falcons or beat the Falcons in the NFC Championship game on the road. It was the Alex Smith team the year before uh, that had lost to the Giants in the NFC Championship, uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh's 49ers team. But I, I think the 49ers were a better team. But I'm not sure the Falcons or the Seahawks were, even though the Seahawks starting quarterback was Russell Wilson, who turned out to be, you know, along with Andrew Luck, the two best quarterbacks out of that draft. And Mike Shanahan's told us many times that if Wilson had been there when they selected Kirk um, in the fourth round, he would have taken Wilson before Kirk um, and thought about it in the third round, Uh, but um, ended up taking Cousins instead. But that trade, I remember being thrilled. Um, thinking it was the right move, thinking thinking it was their way out, uh, and being excited about Robert Griffin <clears> the <throat> third. I'll never forget the first uh, day of rookie minicamp, which came, you know, a month later, or three weeks later, whenever it was uh, after the draft um, in uh, April or May. 
And I remember sitting there with a bunch of people. I forget who the people were. And I'm like, they've got him lined up in the pistol formation. That's what Nevada runs. They're going to use him as a runner. I never envisioned how they would use him. I never envisioned shock and awe in the opener against New Orleans when they were running zone read and lots of designed runs. I thought that, look out, they're going to use him in a lot of the college stuff in the red zone, which, by the way, Carolina, with Ron Rivera as the coach, had really done the previous year with Cam Newton. You had really started to see some of the college stuff with dual-threat quarterback play the year before with Cam Newton, but they primarily ran that stuff in the red zone. It wasn't, you know, 15, 20% of their offense, which it became with Washington in 2012. That trade, um, I also remember thinking, you know, it's not really fair to present it as three firsts and a second because it's really two firsts and a second because one of the firsts is essentially a swap for another first and a better first. Um, But that was nitpicky. Uh, You know, St. Louis did not make out, you know, ultimately in the draft with all those picks, which they turned into more picks. You know, um, the the players that ultimately played for them out of that uh, hall, which again, they use those picks to trade and, and, and gather more picks. Michael Brockers, Janoris Jenkins, the two best players, really, that came out of that for the Rams. Then it was guys like Isaiah Pede and Rokavius Watkins. And Alec Ogletree was, was a decent player. Stedman Bailey, uh, Zach Stacy, Greg Robinson, who really, you know, they drafted very high in 2014 with Washington's pick, second overall. You know, Washington gave up 2012, 2013, and 2014. The last of the first rounders was that second overall for Greg Robinson. Um, You know, he started 12 games as a rookie, uh, but, you know, turned out not to be, you know, worth the number two overall pick in the draft. Um, So, you know, the Rams ultimately didn't turn that trade into, you know, a hall of players that would lead to. Uh, you know, significant things. Washington was probably smart to take the big swing in that spot. Um, little did they, they know that they got a talented guy, but a limited guy and a flawed guy. And that bringing him into an organization with Dan Snyder as the owner was going to be problematic. Uh, anyway, uh, 10 years ago today, there you go. Anyway, uh, four quick things to finish up the show with. Number one, congrats to Alex Ovechkin. Two goals last night. He ties Yarmir Yager for third on the all-time goals list. Number two, the Caps put out a statement yesterday. Monumental Sports and Entertainment did. Um, It reads as follows. Monumental Sports and Entertainment and the Washington Capitals joined the National Hockey League in condemning the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the loss of innocent life. We urge and hope for a peaceful resolution as quickly as possible. Uh, The Capitals also stand in full support of our Russian players and their families overseas. We realize they are being put in a difficult situation and stand by to offer our assistance to them and their families, closed quote. That statement may have been a little bit too late for some of you. I'm not going to beat them up for that. 
I think this was a very um, insightful statement as to the situation with Alex Ovechkin in particular. Alex Ovechkin, out of, out of all the Russian players you know, in the NHL, um, has been on the spot here because he was an ardent supporter of Vladimir Putin. In 2017, he campaigned for Putin. He started a social media movement called the Putin Team. He His Instagram profile featured photos of him posing with Putin. And that's why Ovechkin's been the target of media. But I think the capital statement really tells you the situation that these Russian players are in, and maybe more so a player like Ovechkin. Um, but probably no different than a guy like Kuznetsov and and others around the league that we haven't necessarily heard a lot from. It's very hard for them to comment on this. They have families in Russia who could be at great risk if they denounce publicly Putin here in the United States. And I think the team did their best to take the pressure off the players and explain why the players can't come out forcefully against Putin. There's too much risk to loved ones. Anyway, uh, I thought that was an interesting statement. And I think it was in some ways, uh, I guess, for a player like Ovechkin that's done so much for Ted Leonsis and this organization, and you could argue is one of the top three or four athletes, pro sports athletes in the history of this town. And the organization, the Capitals, are in the position they are with you know a rabid fan base um, and a Stanley Cup because of Alex Ovechkin. Uh, I don't know. I think it was uh, the, the right thing to do by the team. Um, it sort of struck me as I read it as they're really – understanding of the situation in the, the situation that, that Ovechkin and Kuznetsov are in, are in and regardless of Ovechkin's politics or previous politics um, this is somebody who's been family to us and we're going to help them out we're going to we're going to tell everybody why they really can't talk and what their situation is and we're going to stand by them i don't know just riffing on that after i read it earlier this morning uh next thing Virginia Tech better win tonight in the ACC tournament against Clemson, and it won't be easy. They're a five-point favorite. Clemson has been playing very well recently. If Virginia Tech loses the game, they're out. They are on the bubble right now. They're listed in the first four out in Lunardi's latest bracketology. Virginia Tech, for you Hokie fans that listen to the show, they better win tonight or they're out. They're not going to the tournament. And they're a good team, and they're a well-coached team. Uh, So... They better get it done by beating Clemson, and they may have to win another game uh, tomorrow night. Virginia, meantime, has to win the ACC tournament. They start that, uh, tr- you know, that trip uh, if they're going to make it tonight against Louisville. Last thing, real quickly, uh, because it just came across on ESPN, the headline on ESPN.com right now: Giants likely to make run at Trubisky. Jordan Renan. Uh, the writer that has the same position that John Kime has for ESPN covering the Giants. I know that we talked about this earlier with Ben, but this is coming from ESPN and Jordan Renan. He says the Giants are expected to make a run at free agent Mitchell Trubisky when the negotiating window opens next week. According to his sources, if Trubisky were to sign with the Giants, it would be with the intention of pushing incumbent Daniel Jones. 
The idea would appear to be to let the best quarterback win. A key selling point for the Giants is having him reunite with Brian Dable. Dable's strong relationship with Trubisky, because Dable was the offensive coordinator in Buffalo last year, is a big factor in what New York can offer, even more than just the opportunity to start. So there is more on Trubisky to the Giants. Charles Robinson had uh, that report uh, that we read and discussed earlier in the show with Ben. Uh, And there is ESPN.com Jordan Renan having the same information. Again, worst case for Washington is no Rodgers, no Wilson. We already know that. Watson ends up in like Philadelphia. Mariota ends up in, say, Seattle. Uh, Carr stays in Vegas. And Trubisky ends up uh, in the division. So the division adds Trubisky and Watson. And Washington goes in to next season with uh, Heineke and Pickett and Garrett Gilbert. Unless they go out and sign Teddy Bridgewater or Andy Dalton. Heading somewhat in the direction of the worst case for Washington. Okay, that's it for the day. Back tomorrow. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.